What are cryptocurrencies? What are NFTs? Time to buy Bitcoin. Buy and hold. Time to sell to whales. Decentralized finance, smart contract, white paper. Well, then buy it. Well, then sell it. I don't know. Crypto space is one hell of an inspiring ride. We have innovations with endless possibilities that have the potential to change our world for the better. The beginning of digital freedom. But such freedom comes at a cost. With every new project comes the risk of a new hack or a new scam. And unfortunately, it's pretty easy to fall for them. But together, we can try and change that. This is what today's discussion is all about. From Paris, this is your host, Moel Said, and you're listening to On The Ledger. Like every week, we're hosting inspiring minds of the community who will put forward their expertise and share their experience to help you navigate the space. And today, I'm very happy to be joined by two technology and security pioneers, people who are striving to safeguard their ecosystem. First, we have Shal Gimei. Shal joined Ledger in 2017 as Chief Security Officer after working 10 years in the cryptography and hardware security sector. He is now our Chief Technology Officer and oversees the research and development of Ledger products. We'll be joined by Matt Johnson, our Chief Information and Security Officer here at Ledger. He has more than 20 years of experience in information, cyber, and physical security. Matt started his professional career with the Australian Federal Police before holding notable positions at Ingenico and Visa. It's time to get your security game strong, so let's jump right into it. Charles, Matt, welcome to On The Ledger. It's a pleasure to have you both here today. How are you doing, gentlemen? Yeah, thank you too for having us in the show, uh, and uh, I'm very good and uh, very glad to participate to the podcast. Very well, thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, I think I'm pretty excited to have this conversation with both of you. So let me try and set the stage for, for this conversation. Um, you know, we, we all agree about the fact that crypto is fascinating. It's all about providing people with digital and financial freedom, which will most certainly reshape societies in some way. However, innovations at their beginnings always come with shortcomings, and crypto is no exception to that. In April, a Turkish uh, exchange CEO disappeared with more than $2 billion in crypto assets. A few weeks later, two young South African crypto exchange brothers as well disappeared um, with almost twice more money. Uh, every week comes with another scam or hack. Some say that the solution is to become your own bank, also known as to self-custody other that it's actually riskier for newbies to do so. So let me start with what we call the not-so-stupid questions. Um, Matt, what does it mean to be your own bank? And what is your take on that debate? I think this actually is probably one of the most serious questions. Um, when we talk about being our own bank, it's about us having the responsibility and the control over all of our assets. We're not entrusting them to somebody else. So self-custody and being our own bank is about us being uh, educated, aware, informed enough that we can then safely and securely hold those, uh, the keys, the keys to the safe, the keys to the bank, that we can be our own bank. So my take on the debate is that um, it can be daunting. It can be intimidating for the uh, the new joiners or the new starters, but you, you fundamentally have a choice. Do I want to trust this to somebody else to look after on my behalf, aka an exchange, which means, you know, not your keys, not your crypto, somebody else is looking that after that for you. Or you take the step going, 
I need to be as educated, as informed and as aware as I can be so that I can then manage these things responsibly. So I would always recommend and advise to people to make sure that they have um, done the necessary readings, learning, made themselves aware, educated themselves, so that when they become their own bank and they do that self-custody, that they are 100% in control. It also means that if something goes wrong, they're 100% in control. So they need to make sure that they, they understand what that means. Now, there are a load of resources out there. There are lots of people who would also give bad information. So I would make sure that you go and you get your information from, you know, really good reputable locations, sites, uh, information sources. Um, one of those, you know, obviously the uh, the Ledger website, there's a load of work, load of um, podcasts and webcasts and, and information and materials there um, to take people who are new to the journey to start off, to go along there. There are other people, um, Crypto Casey, one of my favorites, you know, really, really good at breaking down some of these things to uh, to educate, bring it online. Um, so just make sure that you're getting that information from reputable, up-to-date sources. I certainly wouldn't take as uh, gospel information that I might be receiving in a, a chat room or on a forum or through a blog post or um, via an email from somebody that I've not solicited myself. So that's what I think that it means to be my own bank. It's about me educating myself, being aware so that I can actually take that full control as well as the responsibility you know, with great power comes great responsibility and so that I can do so safely. I'd like to double click on something uh, you said, Matt, and maybe Charles, you can give us you can give us your, your take on that. So for a newbie, when you tell them uh, not your keys, not your coins, basically when you have uh, your cryptocurrencies stored at an exchange, how don't you own them? In what, in what sense don't you own the cryptocurrencies? Because basically you have the email, you have the password, you can go and like your, your account and transfer the coins whenever. What's the tension there, Charles, with, with regards to the not your keys, not your coins motto? Uh, yes, let me, let me zoom out for, for a second. Uh, first of all, holding cryptocurrencies is not uh, something easy. It's not an easy concept. At the end of the day, the coins you own are in the blockchain and they never leave uh, the cryptocurrency network. They are on the blockchain. So holding cryptos actually means being able to spend them. And to do so, as a holder, uh, you need to hold uh, your private keys. Self-custody means holding your, your own key uh, rather than having a custodial service like an exchange. And when you have Bitcoin on an exchange, what you actually have is an account uh, with an IOU. Uh, and in this case, what, when you want to send Bitcoin from your address to another, what you need to do is you actually ask the permission of the exchange to spend your coins. That means it's not really your coin. And this is not really what the blockchain revolution is about. Blockchain revolution is about self-sovereignty and self-custody, not your keys, not your coins. This is what we say in the, in the space, and, and this is where uh, it, uh, it really takes place. And to, so, to summarize, uh, self-custody means holding your private keys, and doing so, you are in control, and you can spend your coins by proving you actually know uh, this private key. And this mechanism in cryptography, it's called a digital signature. When I want to send Bitcoin to you, all I need to do is to prove I hold my keys, and to do so, I perform a digital signature. And um, 
if if you have a look to uh, cold versus hot uh, and so on, uh, the, there are different types of self-custody and they can be distinguished by how you secure your desk private keys and how you compute this uh, digital signature. Um, today, the main solution we have are hardware wallets or uh, software wallets for self-custody. Uh, software wallets on your mobile or on your computer are very cheap and they are quite convenient. Uh, but the main issue is... So software uh, wallets, for instance, like MetaMask or, or like uh, Wallet Connect, th this is what what's called a software wallet, right? Um, there, there are others, uh, other software wallets. Um, wallet Connect is more a protocol to connect uh, something to uh, the app. Uh, MetaMask has a software wallet, but you can also connect your hardware wallet to uh, MetaMask. It depends where are the keys at the end. Uh, are they uh, directly in uh, your MetaMask extension or are they in your hardware wallet? In, in MetaMask, you, you, can, you can have uh, both. It depends uh, how, how you use MetaMask. Um, but... Well, going back to the, 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 the problem with uh, software wallet, the problem is if your mobile or if your computer gets infected by malware, what actually happens is that you basically lose your funds. And it's already happening, and I expect these attacks uh, to happen more and more in the, in the future. And on the contrary, uh, hardware wallet have a major advantage in terms of security, and they bring the peace of mind to their users by keeping your private keys offline. And whenever you want to make a transaction, the digital signature I was talking about just before uh, will be computed directly on your hardware wallet. And your private keys always stay inside the device and they never leave the device. So the main advantage of hardware wallet is definitely security. That's that's a pretty cool explanation there. So it's basically the fact that you're not connected to the internet and that you have your private keys safeguarded in a, in a kind of an isolated uh, uh, device. Talking about security, Matt, um, as an ex-policeman and a cybersecurity expert, you probably know a thing or two about protecting banks, as there is probably a known set of potential points of failures and measures you know, put in place to address the, these potential uh, points of failures. What are the, 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 the same points of failures when it comes to uh, evaluating um, being your own bank? So not protecting a, a physical bank, but rather a, a human bank. Sure, sure. Um, so look, in, in the good old days, we, we used to put things of value in strong boxes or we'd, we'd stick them in a safe or in a vault at a bank. You know, Then modern day banking arrived and we could only do it by going and visiting a bricks and mortar bank. I'm sorry, I'm giving away sort of a bit about my age here. Um, you know, And I remember that the banks used to be closed on the weekends. You could, couldn't do any financial transactions at all on a weekend. Um, you know, we used to post checks. You'd have a deposit and a withdrawal book. And then we got this thing called the ATM network, so the, the automatic teller machine, and we got given these plastic cards that were, you know, it was like magic. Um, you used to go and you put it into the slot and you'd enter your four-digit PIN number in and money would come out. Now, we've spent years educating our parents, grandparents, children, ourselves with the mantra of never show your 24 words. It's just the same with, you know, your PCs and your passwords for all of your websites. You know, you don't reuse them, you know, and you don't share them with anyone. We've educated ourselves on, on how to do that. And people are generally aware about that. Now, moving into being our own banks and crypto it, and our, our having our coins, you know, it's about managing our own key. So, there are different variations on this theme, but 
you will hear me talk about the 24 words and the 24 words are used to create your key. Now, that is unique to you. If anybody else gets those 24 words, um, as Charles explained earlier, your coins actually don't sit on the hardware wallet. It's your key that sits on the hardware wallet. Your coins are always on the, the blockchain. So if somebody else gets your 24 words, they can then access those and they can then move them. Hence the saying, you know, not your keys, not your coins. So while the attackers are, are, are you know, trying different methods, it's really hard for them to attack the, the hardware component, you know, the physical device themselves. They've got to get access to it. And, you know, the Ledger wallet, it's the, the only uh, independently verified hardware wallets in the market. You know, and we spend this time and effort to make sure that that's really, really secure to remove that as an attack vector. So what the attackers do and what the scammers do is they go after the individuals, the human link. And they're very, very creative to try and get people to divulge the 24 words. So rule number one, just don't. You know, if, if you receive an email that says something urgent or it's time critical, just stop. Stop, think read it, reread it, make sure, you know, where's it come from? Was it expected? You know, is it actually coming from the address that you, you know, you, you expected it to come from? Were you even expecting it? You know, so they, they play on your fears. They try to drive a sense of urgency, a sense of panic. Oh my God, I'm going to lose this quickly. I need to do something now, now, now. And that something could be visit a website, reset a device, download a software app or an application, do all these sorts of things. And then you will um, invariably be asked to enter your 24 words. You know, So unless you're the one who's initiating the reset on the device and doing it through the appropriate mechanisms, never give away those 24 words. You know, they could be phoning you, um, you know, all, all of these sorts of things. So don't, just, just don't. I can't, you know, stress this enough. Not your keys, not your coins. Don't give away those 24 words. So that would be the, the big thing. Then apart from that, the, you know, it's all of the usual good, um, typical uh, information security hygiene. Don't open attachments from unknown sources. Don't click on links that you don't know. Maintain up-to-date um, antivirus protection. Make sure you patch your systems regularly. All of those good things that you will have heard of, you know, for years and years and years through, you know, owning various, um, you know, uh, devices, you know, be it a, a mobile phone or be it a, a laptop desktop. Um, so, you know, keep doing all of those good pri uh, those those practices. Never, ever, ever divulge you to 24 words. Thanks a lot for the advice, uh, Matt. Um, Charles Matt was mentioning um, the hardware component uh, of, of, of the security um, in general about the, the ledger's hardware security. Um, and we often talk about uh, the, the design uh, of, of ledger hardware wallets and talking about resilience. But most people might not know what does it mean to have a resilient hardware wallet. Could you please explain what, what resilience means? Uh, yes, resilience is quite a hype concept these days. Uh, it can be defined as the ability for things to spring back into shape, uh, whatever the events. And blockchain technology is a quite resilient system due to its decentralized nature. If you try to modify the blockchain somewhere, it won't work since there are multiple copies of the blockchain around the, around the world. Uh, similarly, blockchains are censorship resistant, which brings them more resilience. 
so our job at Ledger is to provide users with tools to interact with blockchain in a secure manner and ease of use. We develop products to make our users resilient. Thanks to our products, our users are, are self-sovereign, they can do self-custody, and they are autonomous. We also provide services like backend services and live software for convenience, but our products are designed to be open and they work with a lot of other services. That means if one day Ledger disappears, Ledger users are still in control. This is resilience. Okay, that's a very... Few words about, yeah. No, please. No, I was just going to ask you about how do you achieve resilience? And maybe you can talk to us about your team at the Ledger Dungeon. I know you have a, a pretty a pretty uh, good team of experts, uh, of white hat hackers, and who actually test the products and, and the hardware wallets specifically. Yeah, sure. Uh, a quick quick word about, about the Dungeon. Uh, this is basically our internal security research team. And their main mission is to improve the security of Ledger's product. And to do so, they basically try to break them day, day after day. And when they find some vulnerabilities in our product, they work with the engineering teams uh, in order to improve the implementation. And uh, back to your question, uh, resilience uh, can be seen as the ability to recover after any event. And the main mission to the dungeon is to help to avoid those unfortunate events raising the bar for security in our product, but also in the ecosystem globally. Um, the Ledger Dungeon uh, security research team have a wide array of expertise from hardware security, software security, cryptography for sure, and blockchain uh, security. And talking about security, Matt, um, um, it is often said in the space that, that, that this motto that says, I, I may be paranoid, but am I paranoid enough? Um, so do you guys think to be to be safe in crypto, uh, does one actually need to be paranoid? So look, I, I think the, the word paranoid there is used as a bit, bit of tongue in cheek. What I'd actually say is rather than paranoid, that I need to be um, appropriately educated, appropriately informed and have the right level of general wariness and suspicion uh, about me, you know, pa paranoia uh, and being paranoid sort of has a, a particular connotation with it that, that I don't think is what's actually being suggested. But I, I think it is more about the I always need to keep myself informed. Be aware. Be aware of different attack types. Once again, if you go onto um, the ledger.com website, um, well, I've got an entire page devoted to different sorts of, of scams and tricks and, and things where, you know, that are sent in to us by our customers to say, hey, somebody is trying this, um, you know, and we will put it up there to flag that community. And building on, you know, what Charles just mentioned, you know, it's, it's not just about keeping Ledger's customers safe and secure. It's about the entire community and the ecosystem because, you know, if we don't have that resilience, if we don't have that faith, if we don't have the awareness and the education, people are going to lose hope and confidence and they're not going to be able to, uh, you know, come and join those of us who who have been lucky enough to, to be here from, from the beginning. Um, so, Paranoid, no. Educated, aware, um, uh, appropriately suspicious of things that seem too good to be true 
or uh, unexpected events or uh, unknown, um, I would say yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I think that at the end of the day, the, the idea is that we have a lot of freedom and then with freedom, like you said earlier, uh, Matt, it comes with a lot of responsibility. So it's basically having a healthy dose of skepticism when you approach crypto. Mm-hmm. So now that we talked about the past and the present, I want us to take a look at the future. It's time for the ledger forecast. So Charles, one of the main user experience frictions that affect security is having to use online wallets, like we said earlier, to access different services, um, which is kind of synonymous to having to blind sign transactions or smart contract interactions. So to those of you who don't know what blind signing is, I think I'll first let Charles explain to you what blind blind signing is and the risk, risks sorry, associated with such practice. Uh, yeah, sure. Good question. Uh... Indeed, uh, hardware wallets are great for securing your private keys. They are also a great tool to securely sign your transaction. And they implement the what you see is what you sign principle and uh, using the, the associated trusted display. For a regular Bitcoin or Ethereum transaction, it's quite straightforward. The nano device passes the payload and displays the information to the users. Are you sure you want to send one Bitcoin to this specific address? And then as a user, you consent on the device, and then the device computes the digital signatures and send it to the blockchain. Here, everything is fine and secure. But sometimes for more complex blockchain interaction, it's a bit more tricky. For instance, on Ethereum, when you want to do a decentralized swap or any complex uh, smart contract interaction, what you, what you need to do is an interaction with a smart contract and there is no generic way to do that. So when you use your wallet, which doesn't support a given smart contract directly on the DAP, the device will ask you to consent for a transaction containing gibberish. So what you, this is what we call uh, blind signing. And to avoid that, uh, we are directly integrating decentralized app in Ledger Live, providing a unified way to interact with these dApps. And we also have implemented a plugin mechanism, especially for Ethereum, allowing us to pass this smart contract easily. Uh, our pilot project was a Paraswap decentralized app. And uh, when you use it using uh, Ledger Live, inside Ledger Live, uh, the, the following is happening. When you want to swap your Ethereum against USDT, for instance, you can securely verify on the screen of the device what you are about to sign. Security and ease of use uh, without any trade-off. So we remove this blind signing um, um, uh, interaction uh, implementing this uh, this platform with Parasop and the plugin mechanism in uh, on Ethereum. So if, if, if I understand this correctly, blind signing is the fact that you sometimes sign transactions through your software wallet, which is connected to the internet, on your computer screen, which is also connected to the internet. So you can't necessarily trust what's displayed on the screen because um, it could be hacked in, in some sense. Is that correct? And then the, the hardware wallet solves um, this by enabling you to see it on a screen that's not connected to the internet? First of all, yes. With a software wallet, you always blind sign in, a, in the sense that you are consenting for a transaction, but you have no idea what the software is actually doing because maybe your computer is hacked. Maybe there is a malware on your mobile. So you think 
you consent for sending one Bitcoin to uh, to someone. Uh, but actually, what happens in the software can be completely different. You are about to consent wiping completely your wallet. This is something which could, which could happen. But uh, more specifically, uh, on hardware wallet, uh, sometimes uh, there are some... Uh, uh, more complex smart contract interaction, uh, and uh, we want to uh, enable our uh, user to interact with the smart contract. But if the smart contract is not well supported, what you would be uh, about to do is to sign gibberish. And in order to avoid that, uh, we implement what I just described before, the platform plus the Ethereum plugin mechanism. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, and, and one thing we've spoken about uh, in the show before is uh, ledgers, you know, all uh, under one roof strategy. So basically the idea that through the Ledger Live, now you can access a multitude of different crypto services that would enable you to um, remain within the security of the Nano wallet and not necessarily, um, um, you know, go on um, different DEXs or DApps or DeFi applications through your software wallet. Do, do you think that such approach would help in, in, in actually securing the overall ecosystem with regards to knowing what you're signing and, and knowing what you're what you're accessing does this actually solve this tension yes definitely because in order for uh, the app to uh, be implemented uh, within live we have set a list of requirements and one of them is to be supported by the hardware itself with uh, this uh, plugin mechanism allowing to have the what you see is what you sign principle so that uh, when you will interact with this decentralized app, which are inside Ledger Live, you will be sure that what you are about to do. Uh, you won't ever sign gibberish, and uh, you you will be sure you will be in control that the transaction you are about to do is uh, the the one which will uh, actually occur on the blockchain at the end. So, gentlemen, this is our last segment um, of the show, but in this episode, it actually might be the most important one. This is a tip for crypto first grading. So let me throw this one out and I'm eager to hear both of your takes on it. First, how can a newbie have the safest crypto experience possible? Um, and um, if you can keep it like short and kind of give like three rules of thumb each. Uh, first, first of all, I think the most important is do your own research. Cryptocurrency uh, come with a new paradigm uh, and it's not straightforward to understand cryptos. Nowadays, there are plenty of resources online and, and so take time to read them. Do not, do not rush to implement your security setup. Take your time. Second advice is also very simple. Get a hardware wallet. It's pretty cheap and it will prevent you from making mistakes and from losing your crypto. And the last one is the most important. Never ever share your 24 words. They correspond to your private key. You back up them in your physical safe or in, the, in, the, in a safe location. And if one day you need to recover your wallet, you will be able to input them directly into your hardware wallet. So to summarize, do your own research, get a hardware wallet, never share your 24 words. Pretty clear. What's your take on this, Matt? Oh, look, I'll, I'll just add slightly to that. Um, I think my rule number one would be never show you, share your 24 words. My rule number two would be never share your 24 words. And my rule number three would be never share your 24 words. So without having my uh, tongue in cheek as I say that, you know, never share your 24 words. The um, building on Charles's piece, I would say take your time when you're doing your setup and install. 
don't do it when you're going to be distracted. Make sure you read the instructions and you follow them. Make sure that you've given yourself the right amount of time. After you've done all of your education, your awareness, and you've got a really good understanding of, of what it is that you're doing, give yourself the time, the space, and the solitude to do that without interruptions, people barging in, people looking over your shoulder, anything like that. So they would be my things. Oh, and the final one, never share your 24 words. <laughs> Charles Mott, this was an absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot for taking the time. I really hope we can do this again. And I, I think people will actually benefit a lot from this conversation. Thanks for having us here. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mo. That was great. That's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this to be useful because we generally believe that it's important to have such conversations as great freedom comes with great responsibility. And education is key when it comes to your security, but also to the evolution of the space. The future is within our hands. If you want to learn more about crypto, check our Ledger Academy. It's a no-hype, no-tears-or-fears platform that will help you kickstart your crypto journey. Feel free to subscribe to this podcast and listen to previous episodes if that's what you're into, because we're just getting started. Brought to you by Ledger, directed and edited by Theo Wiesman. This was On The Ledger, from Paris. Till next time, take care. Au revoir. This content is provided for informational purposes only and is the sole expression of our opinion and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment, tax advice or more generally any type of advice. Ledger will not be responsible for the consequences of reliance upon any opinion or statement contained in this podcast or any omission. Crypto assets are volatile, you should be fully aware of the level of risk involved before engaging in any crypto related activities and you should consult your own advisors as to those matters. References to any securities or digital assets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute an investment recommendation or offer to provide investment advisory services. Please note that any loss of data, crypto assets or profit is your sole responsibility.